0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 1024 a.m. Wednesday the 13th, Wednesday the 13th, 2020. This is episode 238 of Bitcoin and welcome the day after the day after the havening. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I kind of laid off uh, Twitter for the most part yesterday because the amount of fricking FUD that was coming down the pipe about the havening was just, it was just, I was so transparent that I just couldn't stand it anymore. It's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So instead of giving news and stuff like that on, uh, clearly uh, stories about FUD and how Bitcoin was going, going to go into a mining death spiral and all the bullshit. Some, I can't remember some idiot I should have it for the train wreck today, but I'm not going to do that uh, today because you can focus on the news here. But this one dude actually said that we've halved our security. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how you get that, but you know, whatever, dude. So we're going to start out with uh, a piece that demonstrates that nobody that cares about Bitcoin is doing anything but working for Bitcoin for the future instead of wasting their time spinning their wheels with FUD generation. We have this one from Citadel21.com and that's going to be at ctdl L Twenty One. This is a group that's put together by uh, our friend Hodelanot and a few other people. And uh, it is sort of a collection of writings from people, sort of like wor- uh, words uh, for a Joe Rogers outfit. Um, but this is new and, again, done by a different crew. Uh, so I, w- what I want to do here is I'm looking at... The Citadel21.com forward slash volume one page. Okay, that's Citadel21.com. Uh, that's Citadel21. So don't spell out 21. It's just 21. <clears throat> anyway, on, on to it. I want to read you one of the stories that they're posting up. Now, there's there's a few here in volume one. There's a welcome from Not. There's 13 Ways to Level Up as a Bitcoiner by Psychedelic Bart. I'm going to read you Reputation, The Bitcoiners' Minefield by Caro Zagoras. And then there's Luke Parker comes in with Bitcoin Music number one. We got Pirate Beachbum writing Savage Bitcoiners interview with Psychedelic Bart. And that dude is freaking savage as a song, bitch. Uh, The Crypto Buzz by Encrypt. Incri- I, he's got like pi, T, and W in mathematical terms, so I can't pronounce it. Uh, CanX uh, brings us Fuck Your Narrative. And uh, let's see. My Bitcoin Voyage So Far by Fartface2000. Bitcoin in Iran by TechMix. I mean there's all kinds there's all kinds of neat stuff in this one there is several more stories that uh well I I'm not going to read all the headlines but this just kind of gives you um a a smattering of what's going on here now if I go to the about page I just want to read you this <clears throat> Citadel 21 is a Bitcoin cultural zine Bitcoin culture is rich and varied it contains a multitude of voices opinions and flavors together they form what is seemingly chaos, but with an abundance of signal. Citadel Twenty One aims to curate this chaos and put some of the best, coolest, and weirdest pieces of raw signal on display. And they're gonna do. We're gonna get a taste of that here with Reputation, the Bitcoiner's Minefield by Cairo Zagoras. I haven't asked permission. Hopefully, Cairo will not shoot me. Human trust is something that is difficult to fully comprehend. It constantly morphs and adjusts to situations that we must continuously adapt in order to sustain our survival and well-being. Many view trust as an unnecessary burden in the Bitcoin space, something that requires effort and risk and often ends up in disaster or betrayal. The UASF and No2x events were examples where trust came into play. When people following Bitcoin suddenly split along the lines of corporate greed and personal bias, it was Bitcoin's first test of trust for its users. One. That ended up rooting out the corporate from the equation and reassured the superiority of the user. As today, shitcoin forks threaten Bitcoin and its users, some Bitcoiners seek to band together with friends against their common foes to fight until the bitter end or hyper-Bitcoinization. As more and more shitcoins now seek to convince pre-coiners that the superiority of Bitcoin can be replaced, it is even more necessary to remain toxic to sustain the security of Bitcoin space. But shitcoins are not the only problem Bitcoiners face. Future, corporation, uh, future co- cooperation rests in the hands of every individual that interacts with one another. Bitcoiners form connections and relationships that require constant nurture trust broken today will have repercussions tomorrow this new era will come with great opportunities and require new forms of cooperation to remain successful you will have to look back in time to find your friends and steer clear of your foes but let's come back to today's world since we are still not in the future even though you the dear reader is already reading this in the future the future of tomorrow or years later when there is no more point to reading this other than maybe as part of a study of Bitcoin history. But let's stay a bit serious for this part, shall we? You may have already realized that there is a very complex network of cooperation and relationships going on within the Bitcoin ecosystem. These organic relationships form through the expenditure of social capital that we use to establish connections with one another in a space that is riddled with uncertainty. Having Bitcoin or internet friends is the first step on the pathway to success. That is alone enough in some sense to become a sovereign individual. But going out into the real world and having some real skin in the game can change everything. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse if we're not careful. Having real-life friends that share the same ideology, beliefs, and morals as you do will become part of the future organization structures of trust well beyond the time of this revolution. Personal reputation is that of utmost importance today. It is something besides Bitcoin that you can truly own, something that cannot be taken away or duplicated. You, You will remain you for the rest of your life, even though life will slowly change you. The reputation is earned with your actions and presence within the space. By interacting with your new friends and maintaining this necessary morality, losing your reputation within the Bitcoin space is the end of the line forever. If you are not anonymous, you can restart and will have very limited avenues remaining once hyper-Bitcoinization happens. Not many will want to mingle with those who have proved that they cannot be trusted, especially not create organizations or work together establishing enterprises <clears throat> when somebody breaches trust defies the ethics of morals of the environment that is the ultimate form of defeat that nobody should seek to suffer The birth of the Bitcoin plebs was perhaps an accident, but still a big step for those seeking to organize within the Bitcoin community. The Bitcoin plebs are unique animals. They seek active communication with other Bitcoiners who unconditionally share a common ideology towards the defense of Bitcoin. A certain form of ethics is enforced universally among all members. Those who join can quickly adapt or they will soon be corrected by veteran participants. Elimination out of these types of groups is immediate and harsh, with no reversal possible. You don't have to be a people pleaser. Bitcoiners, despite fake attitudes, and they can see through them over time, even if not immediately, you should ask yourself, is it worth being alone? Instead of being with friends on this long journey, fighting against evil national cart central banking establishment. What are you waiting for? Try to make some new friends in Bitcoin. These friends will last you a lifetime if you treat them right. Okay, so that's the end of that one by uh, Karo Zagoras, who is a libertarian and a master graduate of social sciences at a Hungarian university. He's actually one of my favorite people in the Bitcoin space, and certainly one of my favorite taco plebs. Um, what I'm, what I am, what I, the only thing that I'm going to add to this is that Cairo did not mention how flammable your reputation actually is. He, he hinted at it, but you can burn your reputation. Clearly, Cairo made that that very clear as to if you stray away from. <laughs> If you stray, if you start saying shit, and then all of a sudden you become, you know, hey, Bitcoin's great, Bitcoin's great. And then like about four or five months later, you say, yeah, but look at this coin. Yeah, burn. Uh, The fuse is very short, and your reputation is very flammable. Keep your reputation dry and keep it put away so that you don't risk burning it. Because the minute that you you take that reputation out of your back pocket and you start waving it around, uh, yeah, combustion can happen and that's never good. Uh, what is good, though, is the Square CEO, Jack Dorsey, says mobile fintech plus Bitcoin can replace trips to your local branch bank or bank branch. This was written by the Daily Hodel staff or the Daily Hodel sometime this morning. Billionaire philanthropist and tech entrepreneur Jack Dorsey is mapping out how smartphone features are putting increased pressure on bank branches. As fintech grows and the cryptosphere expands, the digital world of moving money will continue to accelerate with more on-ramps, more options, more integrations, and more ease of use. That puts a big question mark on the future of your local bank branch that has started to resemble a blockbuster video outlet. Ooh, speaking at the 48th annual J.P. Morgan Global Technology Media and Communications Virtual Conference on Tuesday, the chief executive of payments firm Square and social networking platform Twitter explains how tech is shifting daily behaviors by moving core banking functions from brick-and-mortar locations... To mobile phones. Last month, Square was one of a handful of big tech companies that was approved by the federal government to process paycheck protection program applications for small business owners who are trying to qualify for emergency relief funds amid the coronavirus crisis. Dorsey offered the company's help. Noting that Fintech firms have the existing infrastructure to reach large segments of the population and can distribute money directly and quickly. CNBC reports that Dorsey's firm claims it has dis- dispersed or I'm sorry, dispersed funds for 60,000 applicants thus far, much faster than any bank. The crisis is rapidly turning Square into a platform that can deliver banking services. Activity on Square's Cash App is booming as people sign up to receive their stimulus checks as well as their unemployment benefits. CNBC's Kate Rooney reports that the number of users on Square who are utilizing direct deposits has soared from $3 million to $14 million in recent weeks. Dorsey describes how anyone can easily use a smartphone to harness a suite of banking services. Quote, I download this app, and I've got a card. I've got a way to hook my payroll to it. I've got a way to buy equities, which I never had before. I can buy this weird thing called Bitcoin, and that's cool. And I can use this card at an ATM. So what else do I need? That's what informs a roadmapper. What are those critical functions that help us replace a bunch of trips to a bank branch? <clears throat> End quote. JP Morgan Chase, the largest bank in the United States, is also revamping its approach to crypto focused business that are heavily invested in the digital economy and provide swifter ways of moving value. The bank is now reportedly servicing cryptocurrency exchanges, Coinbase and Gemini. <laughs> yes. JP Morgan Chase. I uh, just first they laugh at you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, this one is out of CoinDesk's uh, Lee Kuhn, uh, Michelle Fan, The Beauty of Bitcoin. Now, this is an older one. This was written on May the 9th. Uh, Okay. So it's not all that old, but still, uh, it is what it is. The first woman to gain more than a million YouTube subscribers is now going all in on Bitcoin to promote financial freedom to her loyal fan base. Now, hold it. Let's remember what Cairo said. Um, we were just talking about reputation. This is an instance in which this woman has a reputation and she can burn it down quick, okay? So just be aware. This is where this is where it starts. If she were to one day say, "You know what? XRP is just is so good." And then all of a sudden every actual bitcoiner will mute her like a blocker on twitter whatever will not promote anything they will they will not like retweet her they won't do like uh re-instagram or regram or whatever it's called nothing she'll be cut off except for her fan base so she's connecting millions of people to the bitcoin space so she's the gate right that gate can burn down so just be aware this is where reputation comes where you put your reputation on the line. Quote, I kind of view Bitcoin as similar to YouTube, which was part of the decentralization of content, said beauty mogul Michelle Phan. Bitcoin is the decentralization of power. Now that's a great quote, man. Uh I I I right now I'm liking Michelle Phan. <clears throat> Fan, who turned online beauty tutorials into a $50 million business, learned about Bitcoin while researching gold in 2011. When Fan started raking in money on YouTube, she wanted to diversify her holdings. Fan was attracted to the philosophy of Bitcoin and already had a knack for teaching online. Jack Dorsey is perhaps the only other Bitcoin mogul with a comparably mainstream reputation. Likewise, Fan now has a hand in several complementary companies, including an investment in the music startup, Thematic, which helps YouTubers use music without violating copyright infringement. Since the beauty industry has yet to recover from the makeup crash of 2019, it's increasingly common for women to shop online or run direct-to-consumer brands predominantly sold through social media strategies fan-pioneered. Fans can expect her to continue investing horizontally in different components of the internet-native retail chain. In some ways, the beauty industry is now comparable to the crypto industry. Digital marketing is dominated by social media influencers like Fan, who modeled how such influencers can make money without compromising on honest product reviews again reputation people beauty product consumers create passionate highly engaged online communities debates about facial scrubs and lipstick on such forums can be as controversial as the most toxic bitcoin twitter debate oh god i'm glad i don't have to see that shit in that world fan is seen as much more than a lipstick peddler she broke the monopoly once held by fashion magazines to shape makeup trends beauty influencer Rosette Arisa, who has nearly 1.2 million YouTube subscribers and marketed M Cosmetics, described Fan as an inspiration who popularized theme tutorials like Sailor Moon or Bad Girl, the beauty content aimed at more than triggering purchases. Fan has a holistic, health-oriented approach, distinguishing her makeup brand through educational content as well. Quote, we've seen a huge shift from traditional sources like magazines to digital media, Arisa said. She, Fan, was doing stuff no one was doing at the time. Her production value was so high, and she was always coming up with different looks. While tech bros in Silicon Valley chased venture capital by promising to disrupt a sector, Fan actually did it. Completely bootstrapped. (laughs) Nice. She retained a loyal audience for more than a decade by inviting fans to view themselves as self-taught experts, too. As such, fans started using her social channels to promote Bitcoin when the recession started in March. This is in part because her business and brand were finally mature enough to afford an unconventional risk. Most beauty influencers focus on makeup tutorials, not financial literacy. Plus, fans said an economic crisis like this one is when Bitcoin really shines. Quote, now my viewers are hungry for more than makeup and skincare. They want to know how to protect their purchasing power, Fan said. I am investing a lot of my time and energy into helping promote mass adoption for Bitcoin, end quote. For fans like crypto-savvy investor and skincare connoisseur Catherine Wu of Notation Capital, Fan has a trustworthy brand that Wu is excited to see expand to financial education. This is so great. Quote, she very much shaped my relationship with makeup, skincare, and in some ways charting an offbeat path, Wu said. Michelle has a very different reach and audience than people like Jack Dorsey and Andrew Yang. From Wu's perspective, Fan isn't just another famous Bitcoiner. Fan makes the technology seem less intimidating. In fact, she makes it seem completely normal in a good way. Quote, Bitcoin is enabled... A lot of people to pursue career paths in ways that were not possible before, Wu said, adding many aspiring con- entrepreneurs are inspiring are, sorry, are inspired to follow Fan's self-sovereign approach. Quote, she could play a bigger role in bringing her core base into crypto, end quote. Fan is building a retail empire by incorporating Bitcoin, a public good created by a group outside herself, into her broader business model. She said she'll start with educational content, then potentially move on to working with e-commerce startups like Lolly and Fold, which helps users earn and spend Bitcoin. Quote, of course, I want to accept Bitcoin, but I feel like consumers aren't ready yet to purchase things with their Bitcoin, Fan said. Instead, she believes now is the time to focus on teaching people how and why to hold their own Bitcoin. She's already earned Fan's loyalty for years and can grow with them as the economy changes. Plus, as an employer with a dozen people on staff, Fan also needs to prioritize revenue and stability for her cosmetic brand, during the COVID-19 crisis. Quote, it's benefited us bringing direct to consumer because that's what we're used to. Anyone in retail right now is suffering. The beauty of my brand is I own it. I own 100% of it, Fan said, adding that Bitcoin self sovereign ethos shaped her entrepreneurial approach. It was a hard road that led Fan to own a lucrative brand that she controlled enough to take a risk on promoting Bitcoin. She told Racked, like her father had a gambling problem and the daughter of a as the daughter of Vietnamese refugees, her family grew up poor. Fan unloaded her first makeup tutorial or uploaded her first makeup tutorial into YouTube in 2007 when she was 19. She was thousands of dollars in debt, but started earning roughly 25 cents a week from her videos within the first year. As her popularity grew, Lancome hired her in 2010 as its official, official makeup video makeup artist in 2011, around the time she started tumbling down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Fan also co-founded the beauty subscription company, Ipsy, which raised over $100 million in venture capital. It is still considered one of the leading beauty startups in the market today. When Fan launched her first pro- product line with L'Oreal in 2013, it flopped because it was deemed too expensive. Fan was already juggling a successful company, Ipsy, the Paparopsy, and her model boyfriend, Dominique Caparo, who speaks Italian and could grate cheese on his abs. Oh my God. I feel dirty reading this. It's like one of those <clears throat> airport. Trash novel books, whatever. Anyway, unlike the Lambros chasing women in fame, Fan had it all before she took a risk by going public about Bitcoin. She could have let the L'Oreal blunder fade into history and ditched startup life for the red carpet, but Fan is a builder, not a celebrity. She brought back the cosmetics line in 2015, eventually relaunching M Cosmetics as her own company, running it her way. By 2019, the brand was so popular, some products sold out. Fan played a pivotal role in decentralizing the beauty industry. Once dominated by retail gatekeepers and fashion elites, now a generation of women are making and selling products with direct-to-consumer or peer-to-peer distribution strategies. Next, the 32-year-old Bitcoiner set her sights on changing how people talk about money. Quote, you're do- you're buying digital real estate. There could be future cryptocurrencies backed by Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is the reserve. Fan said Bitcoin is the truest money that we should have had since the beginning of time. End quote. Michelle Fan gets it. Okay, she gets it. It'll be interesting to see if she holds her reputation with the Bitcoiners. That's all I got to say because I've seen I've seen so many people just fall from grace in in flaming piles in my corner. So as you know that. Uh, William Suberg is writing for Cointelegraph. Bitcoin price hits 9K as data shows miner revenues fell 47% in one day. The having hits as commentators consider the increasing importance of fees for miners going forward, but price volatility lessens. Yeah, for now. He's writing this one sometime today for Cointelegraph.com. Data from Coin Telegraph Markets and Coin Market Cap tracked uh, BTC as it rose to take the 9000 level once again on Wednesday after a two-day absence. Support above the 8000 range has yet to appear following the having itself preceded by a flash drop in the Bitcoin price which momentarily hit the 200-day moving average of around $8200. Quote, volatility draining down on BTC, which suits altcoins as some are showing strength. Cointelegraph analyst Michael Vanderpop summarized. Dude, don't don't get fooled by the altcoins, guys, okay? Meanwhile, the impact of the event on miners became clear as data confirmed that on May the 12th, revenue dropped by around 47%. From $17.16 million of block subsidies and transaction fees the days previously... Tuesday's total was 8.95 million dollars. Figures from monitoring monitoring resource blockchain reveal. Commenting on the changes, Mario Gibney, customer support lead at Blockstream, wrote on Twitter: "Quote the first mining reward of Bitcoin's fourth epoch is 7.16 BTC." BTC in block subsidy plus 0.91 in fees. That means 12.7% is made up of transaction fees, an indication of the brave new world of fee-based security we're venturing toward? It's a question. End quote. <clears throat> Consensus suggests that as time goes on, Bitcoin fees will have to rise to accommodate increased demand and the premium of verifiable secure financial transactions at present. Fees as a percentage of payouts to miners are still far from the level seen, even at last year's pr- price highs of 13800 as the overall number of transactions is lower. Yeah, well, okay, that's the end of that one. And this is just going to be as it all... Ha- as it has been interesting, Bitcoin will continue to be interesting. We don't know what's going to happen. We know what we think has to happen, but I guarantee you that what you think has to happen will change week to week, month to month, and year to year as new things come online that we can't possibly imagine. And that's where altcoiners and the, the shit fork people really... they. They have no imagination whatsoever, and that's why they do the things that they do, or at least one of the reasons. The other is just sheer greed and the fact that they're frauds. I mean, come on, let's let's get real here. But still, we have no idea what's going to happen. If fees are going up and transactions are going lower, like this one says, does that mean that we're all going to die? No, because I have zero idea what the hell's going to happen tomorrow. Okay, so just y'all keep that shit in mind, okay? Uh, speaking of shit coiners, daily huddle staff writing this one yesterday for the daily huddle says telegram officially ends uh, f- ill fated crypto project CEO cites U S domination of global finance. You knew it was going to happen. And this is why I Bitcoin. I, this is why I don't care about shit forks, altcoins, shitcoins. shit coins, this is exactly why Telegram, the popular mobile messaging platform, has officially abandoned its crypto and blockchain project, the Telegram Open Network, (TON). The company's founder and chief executive, Pavel Durov, made the announcement on Tuesday. The ill-fated TON project, which never got off the ground, is shutting down following Telegram's long legal battle with the United States SEC. Last month, a United States court prohibited Telegram from launching Ton and distributing its native cryptocurrency called Grams. Ton was designed as a decentralized platform for smart contract developers that could function without any control from Telegram. It's all bullshit. Grams would power the network as a true complement to traditional currencies, leveraging blockchain technology to improve the speed, efficiency, and security of everyday commercial transactions globally. That one paragraph is the exact same paragraph you will find in almost 99% of all shitfork shitcoins, and altcoins. It, it It's just suit speak, man. You just need to put a tie on that son of a bitch and send it in home in a limo, I guess. But last October that that dream hit multiple roadblocks when the SEC accused telegram of selling unregistered securities after it raised over 1.7 billion dollars of investor funds, which included the sale of one of more than 1 billion grams to 39. United States purchasers. According to Stephen Perkin, co-director of the SEC's Division of Enforcement, quote, we have repeatedly stated that issuers cannot avoid the federal securities laws just by labeling their product a cryptocurrency or a digital token. Telegram seeks to obtain the benefit of a public offering without complying with long-established disclosure responsibilities designed to protect the investing public, end quote. In a blog post published on Tuesday, Durov lamented the end of the project after two and a half years of dedicated efforts by top scammers. I'm sorry, I spelt engineers wrong. Quote, we were very proud with the result. The technology we created allowed for an open, free, decentralized exchange of value and ideas. When integrated with Telegram, Ton had the potential to revolutionize how people store and transfer funds and information. Well, now... Sell, sell, sell. That's right. The court ruling not only stopped grams from being distributed in the United States, but also globally, writes Durov. Quote, this court decision implies that other countries don't have the sovereignty to decide what is good and what is bad for their own citizens. Sadly, the United States judges write about one thing. We, the people outside the U.S. can vote for our presidents and elect our parliaments, but we are still dependent on the United States when it comes to finance and technology. Luckily, not coffee. The United States can use its control over the dollar and the global financial system to shut down any bank or bank account in the world. It can use its control over Apple and Google to remove apps from the App Store and Google Play. So, yes, it is true that other countries do not have full sovereignty, over what to allow on their territory, unfortunately, we, the 96% of the world's population living elsewhere, are dependent on decision makers elected by the 4% living in the United States. Last, sorry, end quote, last month, prior to the final demise of the project, Telegram granted its investors refund options and a way to opt out after having endured TON's ongoing launch delays now that Ton is officially over, it is not yet clear how participants will recoup their investment. You won't. You got burned. So that's it for that particular uh, article. But to say, I remember when Ton came out and it was yet one more Bitcoin killer. Yet one more time Bitcoin was going to die because of new and exciting, nice, shiny bullshit. And where did it go? Well, it just got flushed down the frickin' toilet because... Why? Durov has an office. He has control over the entire project. Since he has an office, he has a door. And the United States can, hello, Mr. Durov, we're here to screw up your day. Now, Durov is 100% right about this, the, the dominance of the United States in, in global finance. He's not lying. And it's not good. I mean it's not honestly I don't think it's actually good for the United States. I don't think I don't think it would be good for any country to have this much power. It's bullshit. And again, it's why I Bitcoin. The Fed just started buying 750 billion dollars in junk bonds. Oh, I'm sorry. I spelt ETF wrong. Sell, sell, sell. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York has started its program to buy up lots of corporate bonds in the form of exchange-traded funds. Yeah, junk bond by any other name is still a junk bond, people. This is, in fact, Robert Stevens writing sometime today for Decrypt.co, and he continues by saying the Federal Reserve is buying up $750 billion worth of corporate bonds. It announced yesterday... It's the first time the Fed has bought them and incentives, incentivizes large companies to sell bonds to get easy lines of credits to pay back loans. Jeez. They're just inflating the debt away, but they're not really inflating the debt away. It, it's weird, whatever. The bonds are bought in the forms of ETFs. The Treasury is spending $75 million, which investment firm BlackRock is leveraging by 10 to 1. Jesus. It's an easy way for companies to raise cash since the government is unlikely to default on loans and will give low interest rates. The Fed wrote yesterday that it wants to provide broad exposure to the market for U.S. corporate bonds. The program was announced in March, but it's just starting to buy them. Some think that the Fed is breaking the rules. Jeffrey Gundlach, founder of DoubleLine Capital LP, commented, quote, the Federal Reserve is presently acting in blatant noncompliance with the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. An institution violating the rules of its own charter is de facto admitting that said institution has failed and is fundamentally broken, end quote. ETFs, or exchange-traded funds, are investment funds that are listed on a stock exchange. Instead of, for instance, riding Musk's terrifying roller coaster and buying shares in Tesla, you'd buy shares in a collection of stocks, commodities, and bonds. ETFs are relatively new, introduced in 1993, but really took off in the last decade. The SEC in 2018, 2008 passed a rule that made it easier to create ETFs. Quote, the rule is designed to eliminate unnecessary regulatory burdens and to facilitate greater competition and innovation among ETFs. It wrote in a federal register in 2008 that the Fed is using unconventional tactics to curb the economic crisis caused by the coronavirus pandemic is regarded as a I told you so, by some in the crypto world who refer to Bitcoin's monetary policy, which, like clockwork, is reorganized every four years. Quote, today, Bitcoin's block reward was programmatically cut in half, as it is every four years. Tomorrow, for the first time in the history of the United States, the Federal Reserve will purchase ETFs. Hard versus soft. Sound versus unsound, says Travis Kling, chief investment officer at uh, Akiagai Fund. Sorry, guys, I'm butchering everything. Because Bitcoin's ledger is immutable and its protocol can only alter should the community vote in favor of a hard fork, the Fed's actions are a world apart from Bitcoin. Only the Fed can still impact its price in March. Bitcoin tracked the stock market and collapsed by almost 50%. Looks like Bitcoiners can't win. Oh, yes, we can. Oh, yes, we can. We can outlast, outthink, outmaneuver, and meme anyone in the world. That's going to do it for part one of the snooze you can use. all right let's do some vital statistics here i got c m b c dot com forward slash markets up and it looks like ew, it kind of looks like a little bit of a bloodbath but i mean we're we're down by two we're the markets are down two percent okay so do with that what you will, but still, Bitcoiners see two percent as like a ugh, a nothing event. But when you're talking about something that dominates the world's financial markets, two percent can suck. So what do we have here? We got S and P 500 down 1.7 percent. Nasdaq is down one and a half. The Dow Jones is down 1.97 percent. The FTSE is down one and a half. Nikkei is down one half. The Hang Seng is down a quarter. Shanghai index is up a quarter. Uh, Bonds, everything, all the yields got pushed down lower. The United States 30-year bond is yielding 1.3%. And Japan's 10-year has re-entered negative territory at minus 0.001%. And of course, the German Bund is just a flaming pile of shit. It looks like oil got hit by a 1.2% drop. Its last, which I presume is West Texas Intermediate, is $25.47. Gold is up a percent by $14 to hit $1,700.21. Let's talk about real money. Bitcoin is at $9,136. Looks like my high is going to be over at hit BTC. Nope, GDAX has it at 9,164. It does in fact look like the 9,136s are going to be our low. So eh, pretty tight trading range. Uh, We have 300,000 transactions in the last 24 hours representing 12,500 transactions per hour. We have 1.19 million BTC being sent in that 24-hour period with 49,700 BTC being sent on average per hour with an average transaction value of 3.93 BTC and the median transaction value at 0.048 BTC or about up 450 bucks. Block times are high. Can you guess why? 11 minutes and 20 seconds, in fact. It's a minute and 20 over The block production time that should be. We have 0.8 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. Holy shit. And 110 BTC being taken in fees total over the last 24 hours. The hash rate dropped by 12%. We are back down to 108.9 exahashes per second. Gee, it does not appear to me that our security was halved, like some idiot was saying yesterday. And as uh, the world turns, the last time somebody didn't do anything for the development of Bitcoin was sometime today. Ethereum is at 197, Bcash at 236, BSV at 190, Litecoin at 43, Ethereum Classic at six and a quarter, Dogecoin holding it at 0.0025, and with 32,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, it only beats Litecoin. But whatever, it's still my favorite thing in the world. Now, while we wait for my node to refresh itself, we'll get an update. On the hash rate that my node tells me is going on, oh, I should have the weight music. Oh, damn! We're, I'm looking at a day average of 100.4 exahashes per second, with the weekly average being 116.1 exahashes per second. Yeah, hold on tight, people. It's going to be a wild ride. There's there's no no doubt about that. Let's get into Clark Moody Bitcoin. Bitcoin.ClarkMoody.com forward slash dashboard tells me about Lightning Network and its capacity is 930 BTC with $8.51 million worth of liquidity over 6,950 nodes representing 35,840 channels. Torque capacity is up again, 408.1 BTC is the Tor capacity and that brings our percentage of Tor capacity to 43.9% with uh, 2022 Tor nodes. That's uh, going to do it for your vitals. We shall continue with the news you can use this morning roundup part 2 Bitcoin's having block includes a message to remind us why it was created. Colin Harper's writing this for forbes.com. Forbes again, that's Forbes. The miners who extracted the last block reward under Bitcoin's old block subsidy rate of 12.5 Bitcoin every 10 minutes paid homage to Bitcoin's creator with the message they inscribed on the block itself. New York Times dated April 9th, 2020 with $2.3 trillion injection. Fed's plan far exceeds 2008 rescue. Couldn't have written it any better myself. The headline is in reference to this New York Times article. On the Fed's response to the incipient economic crisis, the template used by F2Pool, the miners who mined, the 630,000th block, is an allusion to one left by Bitcoin's creator of the first block on Bitcoin's network over a decade ago, which read The Times, 3rd January 2009, Chancellor on Break brink of second bailout for banks. Satoshi Nakamoto launched Bitcoin in the midst of the uh, 2008-2009 financial crisis in an alternative to the current system, and with this encoded message, a nod to another article on central bank bailouts. He emblazoned this intention to the world on the bedrock of the Bitcoin blockchain. The foil cannot be starker, and upon Bitcoin's third halving, during a time of even greater economic crisis and macro uncertainty, FT pools message is passing the baton, a profound gesture to some of Bitcoin's core proponents. Presenting Bitcoin ostensibly as an alternative to the current financial system, as he did, Satoshi couldn't have scripted this having any better, <laughs> Co- coinciding as it has with the time when stocks are souring alongside record numbers of unemployment, the financial system is decoupling from reality as the Federal Reserve prints unabated, but Bitcoin's inflation rate, now reduced by half, is consistent and immutable. <laughs> How keen of F2Pool then to give the world this reference point to look back to during the next halving. So, Colin Harper, thank you for keeping that uh, keeping that short and sweet. So yeah, the, 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 the importance of Bitcoin, the halvings, the Bitcoin's monetary policy, all in a nutshell, right there. Be, and I haven't gone back and looked yet, but I want to go see if anybody embedded anything in the having blocks prior to this one, not including, obviously not including the uh, Genesis block. Okay. Craig, right. I know. Cover your ears. Hide your children, bro. Craig Wright promised to break Bitcoin on Monday. Did he forget? The self-proclaimed Satoshi Nakamoto has announced plans to crash the Bitcoin network and price during its having event. Only nothing happened. Greg Thompson writing this for Decrypt.co sometime this morning. Craig Wright's nefarious plot to crash Bitcoin during its block reward having failed to materialize his plan set out more than 6 months ago threatened to bring the network to its knees but if anything the having was too uneventful the self-proclaimed satoshi nakamoto had laid out a oh sorry laid out a multi-step plan of attack during the bitcoin having which involves selling a large volume of btc for usd sell 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 and matching the sale with a 10x Leverage short. Oh my God. Wright wrote on a Bitcoin SV or BSV-focused Slack channel, quote, we, I, plan to sell a large volume of BTC for USD. This will occur on a single exchange as a rolling iceberg order followed by significant orders of other exchanges, adding, it is expected that the value will drop significantly and will be matched by a 10x leveraged short. End quote. Wright professed his intention to simultaneously launch a 51% attack on the Bitcoin network. This is where a mining farm has so much mining power that it takes control over the network and is able to censor transactions and temporarily reverse them. Such an attack is exceedingly difficult and very expensive to do. Misari estimates it would cost $425,000 an hour. Yeah, and you're only going to roll back six blocks every hour. Hmm. Wright's plan involved only mining blocks containing his own transactions as well as SegWit transactions. SegWit is a proffered solution to the Bitcoin scaling problem where transaction capacity is effectively increased from one megabyte to four megabytes uh, by splitting transaction data into two parts. SegWit was implemented on Bitcoin in 2017, but it wasn't embraced as the Bitcoin scaling solution by everyone By taking advantage of the SegWit compatibility quirk, Wright sought to redirect those transactions away from their intended recipients and into the hands of his miners. Wright wrote, quote, The network hash will be throttled at this time limiting all movements to and from exchanges, only spending the unrecognized SegWit transactions. Transactions to miners, and our own exchange transactions will be processed in blocks. Segwit transactions are not backward compatible with earlier versions of Bitcoin. In fact, under the original rules, the transactions would end up in the hands of Bitcoin miners. And right, if he had control of the network, would be able to revert back to the original rules. In doing so, he would be able to take Bitcoin from any Segwit transaction made. <laughs> this is bullshit. And at the same time, the network would be effectively stopped. Nobody except right and friends would be able to make bitcoin transactions chaos would ensue except it didn't when the price fell somewhat it was nothing out of the usual for the volatile bitcoin price but as for the health of the network and its network security everything proceeded without a hitch did Wright forget to strangle the bitcoin network was he distracted by his multiple lawsuits or was it all just a ruse uh, for his BSV supporters, we've reached out to write spoke spokesperson to find out and we'll update this article. If we find out anything from the toilet, i.e. the spokesperson, that's me, not, not whatever. Okay. In the meantime, Bitcoin will keep worrying. Yep. So yeah, that's a train wreck all by itself. Okay. Oh, Oh, I don't need to get this. What do I need to do this one? Nope, I'm not going to do this one because I've already talked about it. Uh, Tether USDT surpasses XRP as the third largest cryptocurrency. Antonio Madeira is writing this for Cointelegraph.com sometime yesterday. Stablecoin Tether has just surpassed XRP as the third largest cryptocurrency and is now the second largest altcoin behind Ethereum's Ether. Tether's USDT has just surpassed XRP in market cap, becoming the third largest cryptocurrency in the moments leading into the Bitcoin halving. Sitting with a market cap of $8.79 billion, it is now even bigger than XRP, whose market cap is roughly $8.6 billion. USDT is currently second only to Ether as the largest altcoin in the cryptocurrency market. The market cap rise comes as a result of the constant increase in the supply of USDT, the majority of which circulates on the Ethereum blockchain. There have also been huge inflows of USDT into exchanges in recent weeks in the run-up to the Bitcoin halving. While it is normal for exchanges to hold large amounts of USDT, especially ahead of a big event like the halving, it can also be considered as a bullish sign for Bitcoin as investors may be preparing to buy cryptocurrencies with USDT. Brian living marketing and social media director at cryptocurrency data provider Santiment recently told Cointelegraph, most USDT isn't just being taken off exchanges to be stored in wallets or cashed out through a fiat-based platform like Coinbase. When people aren't using USDT, they most often put it in Bitcoin. And what's cool is the fact that this USDT percentage often fluctuates a few hours or days in advance of BTC's price reacting to it. So monitoring this metric in advance can end up producing a tremendous advantage by catching a sudden fluctuation early enough. Tether USDT dwarfs other stablecoins by market cap, trading volume users, and every other metric. Tether has also expanded beyond the dollar and has launched stablecoins pegged to the Chinese yuan, the CNHT, the euro, and gold. Other stablecoins like USD, PAX, and TUSD lag behind with USDC having a market cap of $707 million. USDT is also the most popular BTC pair and comprised an overwhelming majority of 74% of total Bitcoin traded into fiat, or stablecoin in April. Nevertheless, despite the impressive growth of USDT, other stablecoins like USDC and PAX are also growing in popularity and have consistently captured small bits of market share in the stablecoin market, with both representing around 4% of all BTC to stablecoin volume. Regardless of the growth of other stablecoins, the BTC-USDT pair still represents 90% of all BTC traded into stablecoins today. While the market cap of USDT has been growing, trading volume has decreased when compared to March, the month in which Bitcoin reached breaking numbers all across the board, including in terms of BTC traded into USDT and other stablecoins. Following the large drop in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in March and largely fueled by the coronavirus outbreak, BTC trading into USDT has decreased 26% from 21.6 million to 16.1 million BTC in April. Other stablecoins like the USDC, saw a similar trend, its trading volume reducing by 39% in April. PAX, on the other hand, saw a 0.85 million BTC worth of volume during April, which is a 27% increase from March. Both stablecoins, although not as big as USDT, beat direct fiat pairs like BTC, the BTC-Euro pair and the BTC-KRW pair, showcasing the popularity of stablecoins. It is likely that stablecoins are continuing to grow in popularity due to their usefulness, even to those that are not invested in the cryptocurrency market themselves. However, it is also possible that the continued interest can be seen as a bullish sign for Bitcoin, as research has shown. There is an inverse correlation between USDT on exchanges and the Bitcoin price. So there you go. Tether apparently just ripping holes in everything. Um, Again, I honestly, I have no feelings to tether either way. I honestly don't. I don't give a shit. I don't trade, so I don't need tether. If I was a trader, I would probably be using tether. But I guarantee you this, if I was trading, not only would I be keeping my Bitcoin off exchanges as much as possible, clearly, if you're going to trade, you're going to have to send these things to an exchange. But if I was trading BTC into Tether to ride the roller coaster ride, I guarantee you I would be dumping that tether back into BTC and pulling my BTC back into my hardware wallet as soon as humanly possible. So just keep that shit in mind. All right. Last one for the day. Bitcoin is hidden inside this music album. No one's found it yet. Liam Frost is writing this this morning for Decrypt.co. He says, a pseudonymous user on Reddit has decided to celebrate Bitcoin's recent halving by publishing a music album that also contains an elaborate puzzle. Whoever solves it will receive a seed phrase like a password for a wallet with 0.05 BTC, which is worth around 450 bucks. But people are adding more to the bounty. The prize is still unclaimed. Quote, Hello, fellow Bitcoiners. I have hidden the seed to a wallet containing 0.03 BTC inside of my latest album. It's not much. I am a robot of simple means. <laughs> Solve it, then sweep the keys. The creator of the puzzle, known as Logic underscore Beach, wrote on May the 12th. The overall vagueness of the rules became a bit baffling for Redditors, as it's not entirely clear where to look for the clues. The creator of the puzzle stated that the users need to download a lossless version of his album Bifurcations from Bandcamp, apparently implying that sound files themselves contain some kind of hints. At the same time, it's been later confirmed that the corresponding YouTube video of the album also contains at least one visual clue, further confusing BTC hunters. I'll bet you that's the album cover. Oh well. Uh, To get the reward, users need to uncover a seed phrase. Uh, by now, a user who has found eight words, or at least believe so, is apparently in the lead, but it also it's also important what order that they are in, and this has been hard to determine. While users can download the album for free by just entering $0.00, all donations made on Bandcamp will be added to the prize, which has already grown from the initial BTC to 0.05 BTC, but there's a deadline. If no one solves the puzzle by May 21, the puzzle's creator will take it down and explain the solution. Unsurprisingly, various tech-related puzzles are quite popular among crypto enthusiasts. Bitcoin has been hidden in artworks around the world and Bitcoiners are still trying to crack a complex mathematical puzzle from 2015, for one million dollars in bitcoin bitcoin loves or bitcoiners love symbolism too just recently users found a hidden message encoded in the final block of the halving that contained an homage to the origin of bitcoin satoshi would be proud and that's going to do it for the morning roundup and i don't have a a train wreck for you or a joke for you today i'm kind of slumming it as it is Uh, But chickens are doing good, and still yet my eight fruit trees trees that I have planted, none of them seem to be succumbing to anything that I could even remotely peg as a disease or transplant shock or pest. So, so far, so good. And with that, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett.